It is good. It is good to be with you today, and uh, happy Mother's Day, ladies. And we're—I mean, we'd be nothing without you, <laughs> literally, you know, and and figuratively too, I guess as well. But we're just—we're grateful for you, and uh, we want you to know that there is a gift that's out in the in the lobby uh, for each of the ladies, the mothers here. If you would just stop by there at a table and and pick a bag and uh, take that home with you and enjoy that little gift from us to you. Um, I want to make just a couple quick announcements here as we, as we move forward. Uh, one of the things that's transitioning within our church, uh, last week, was it last week already or week before? Last week, yes. We had a young couple here from Florida that were interviewing with us with a process of potentially becoming our worship minister and discipleship minister. And so we're waiting with bated breath to find out whether or not that happens. And as soon as we figure that out, then we'll let you know as well. So that's a wonderful step forward that we're beginning to get that uh, taking place. Another transition that has happened, uh, Sean Ratcliffe has resigned from his position as our student minister. He's not going anywhere. He's been a part of this church for over 10 years. The family's been here. They're growing in, the, and, uh, in this church but he's stepping back from the vocational ministry and he's going to be like most people in our church, just a volunteer basis as well. Uh, so keep them in your prayers as they make that transition. But God has already provided for us. I don't know if you'd like to come up, Jesse. Um, <clears throat> in the midst of all this, this is Jesse Frame. Jesse has been, um, he's been hired on to be a part of our church staff as well. So Jesse's going to be our student minister. Uh, with us going forward, actually his first day will be tomorrow. <laughs> you know, there's. The <laughs> there's nothing like just diving in and getting going. All right, uh, Jesse and his wife Cynthia. They have four children. They range from 17 to seven. Is that right? All right, I'm, I'm going to get this: Josiah, Clara, yep. Kayla, yep. Jonas. All right. Whew. I don't even know my own kids' names, but I know Jesse's kids' names, which is, just, which is great. So we're, we're glad that they're here. But I wanted to introduce him to you. You'll be seeing a lot more of him as we move forward and uh, just kind of continue to share the gospel message uh, with not only our community and our kids here as well. And so welcome, Jesse. He's going to have to leave just after our first service because they've got some other responsibilities yet they've got to take care of. But they'll be here in and out as we go along moving forward. So I'm glad you're here. All right. <clears throat> God provides, and He's always ahead of us in all the details of life. He's always there. I mean, even, even when we talk about mothers, He knows which mothers are going to bear which children, even before they have this thought or a twinkle in their eye about us, right? That's just who God is, because before the creation of the world, he understood what was going to take place, and he has always gone before us. There's a story that, that talks of a time when Alexander the Great, he was entertaining some, some kings and nobles in a court in Persia. And while he was there, it was, that, it was observed that he was adorned with the garments that his mother, Olympias, had made. Now, Olympias 
she wasn't just a slouch herself. You know, obviously, she's good enough to have you know, the ability to make a clothing for a conqueror of the world, but she was the daughter of a king from Malaysia, uh, the Malosians king, and, and her wife was King Philip II of Macedonia, and she was a mama to the conqueror of the world. I mean, who wouldn't want to be that kind of mama, right? And not only that, he still wears her clothes. I got rid of all the clothes my mom ever made for me. But he didn't, apparently. And might think it's strange that this conqueror would, would allow his mother to continue to make his clothes, but apparently he did. He'd have the ability to have the, the finest tailors or seamstresses within all the world, and yet here he was honoring his mother by being clothed the works of her hands. Even our celebrities today, they love to adorn themselves with the fanciest and oftentimes the most bizarre and, and obscure-looking costumes that any money can buy. It's all about appearance. It's all about prestige. However, my grandfather once told me that you can put a fresh cone of paint on a jalopy, but that won't make it run. Right? It's not about outward appearance. It's about what's inside and in our hearts. And so this outward adornment has nothing to do with the character of an individual. It is how are we clothed inside out that's important. And it's that character trait that a mother weaves into the lives of her children on a daily basis that are more alluring than the clothing on their backs. One commentator put it this way. He said, Long ago, we discarded the garments that were made for us by our loving mother's hands. And yet, in a certain sense, as to life and character, we are still wearing the garments that were woven us by our mothers. There are a lot of things in our lives as to who we are, to what we are, because of a mother's influence. One <clears throat> anonymous son he wrote about those things in life which he learned from his mother. It kind of goes this way. My mother taught me about logic. If you fall off that swing and break your net, you can't go to the store with me. Right? Yeah, yeah that's logical, right? My mother taught me about medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes like that, they're going to freeze that way. My mother taught me to think ahead. And she said, if you don't pass your spelling tests, you'll never get a good job. Right? It's important, these things that we're learning. My mother taught me to meet a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me. Right? Think ahead when you meet these challenges. My mother taught me about humor. When the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running home. My mother taught me to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. My mother taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. <laughs> my mother taught me about the wisdom of age. Well, when you get to my, be my age, you'll understand. Right? My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. My mother taught me about receiving. Well, you're in trouble when we get home, right? My mother taught me about justice. 
one day you will have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. Right? And, that, and that's really, I mean, these are wonderful lessons that we've, we've learned from our mothers. And I, I venture to think that maybe your mothers have said something very similar to this man's mother. For many of us, our mothers have wove into the tapestries of our life faith, hope, love. They've woven into our lives respect, honor, and gratitude. And these are true virtues of godliness. But they're also biblical virtues that God wants us to have. So this Mother's Day, may we honor all our mothers by the clothing that we wear upon our hearts. Let's begin. <clears throat> a mother's faith. What is it about a mother's faith that, that helps shape our lives? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is addressing a young minister who is not only a disciple of Jesus Christ, but he's been a student and, and, a, and a kind of a follower and disciple of Paul, and he's helped him grow in his faith, Timothy. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul makes this astounding observation. He said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Paul could not leave out the influence of Timothy's mother and grandmother upon his life of faith. The first thing I think that we need to learn is that we need to be mentored as children as we grow, especially in our faith. How do we perceive God? We need to be told how to live a life to the fullest, and we need to be taught about what is really, really important. Someone once said, mothers write on the hearts of their children what the rough hand of the world cannot erase. I think that quote says a lot. I believe that mothers are disciple makers. You, you watch the children follow them and learn to do so many things because of the example of their mothers. They have the opportunity to hand down their faith about God to their children. And they have this unique ability to demonstrate God's love and grace firsthand. This was the testimony here in 2 Timothy about Timothy because of his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. And when we consider what they have done, they guided Timothy to a position in life where he believed in Jesus. So much so that he was willing to go anywhere in the world to profess his faith in Jesus because of their instruction. Ladies, one of the most important things you can do with your children is to tell them how God has interacted without, within history in, in mankind and how, how he sent his son into this world. And you can tell them the stories of Jesus and how much he loves them, so much so that he went to the cross for them. To demonstrate what it means to have faith in God and how that faith changes the way you interact with other people in the world. From my earliest memories, my mother create, communicated with me the importance of God and loving Him. 
I was always very active in church. She made sure that, that we went to church every Sunday. If, if, if we were capable of getting out of the house and down the street, it, we were going to be there. That's just that was the way it was. We knew the importance of faith, and she demonstrated that. I learned a lot about the priorities during my early days. Like the first thing you do in the morning is you take time to recognize God and, and the blessings and what he has done for you in life. And you acknowledge him before you acknowledge anything else. When you first receive your pay for your hard work of your hands in which you've labored all day, the first thing you do is you set aside some money to give it to God because he's the one who's provided that job and opportunity for you. And the last thing that you do as you lay your head down on your pillow at night is that you thank God for the blessings he's provided throughout that day. You know, I believe my mother learned the same priorities from her mother and from her grandmother. And mothers, it's important that you instill those priorities as well to your children. I had a godly woman of faith as my mother, and she was a wonderful example of what it meant to live a life of faith and what that all was about. But I also learned that faith doesn't just stop there. We need to learn the basics. It was during those early days in my childhood in which I learned the elementary truths of Scripture about faith and about godliness and about how to please God in life. I learned about Jesus and how he was the immortal Son of God, and yet somehow he was also God in the flesh. I still don't fully understand all that, but I could see in the flesh the love of God through my mother. I remember learning Bible verses that helped me grow in my faith like John 3 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Those moments in which my mother read the Bible to me were powerful. They were influential. I remember my mom singing to me as I would be laid down at night for bed. And the wonderful songs, whether they were lullabies, but a lot of times they were just wonderful songs of faith, hymns, to direct my thoughts and my attention to God. And she would sing anywhere, whether it be in the kitchen or in the car or any time there was an opportunity to, to enable me to understand that we lift up our hearts and our praise to God in our voices in song, it was important that she pass that on. There's another thing that we learn about our mothers. A mother's hope. A mother's hope is primarily for her children, and she always hopes for the best for all of them. But what is it that mothers hope for? I believe that mothers hope and pray that their children become decent, God-fearing, Christ-following, neighbor-loving, hard-working, self-sacrificing, honest and decent and respectable people who mature in life. Mothers hope for good to come to their children, and they hope for their children to be good children. Proverbs 29, 15 makes this statement, The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. A mother hopes that her children will grow up well and, and not be disgrace to her or to anyone else. 
And I've said before, my wife Marisa used to tell our son, John David, as he was growing up, especially at school, don't do anything that they're going to have to make a rule about. (laughs) And I would respond, don't do anything that's going to make your mother embarrassed. Well, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But we definitely don't want to do anything that's going to disgrace our mothers. Proverbs says in chapter 23, verse 25, Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. I think one of the greatest things that we can do is to bring a smile to our mama's face. When she's happy and she's rejoicing in the fact of who we are. Mothers receive this joy when their children fulfill their hopes. But hope is more than just this wishful thinking. Biblical hope, it rests on the trustworthiness, not of the child, but of God, the creator of that child, and and his promises that never fail. And therefore, this hope is so much more different than one which we might find in so many other cultures, even from the Greeks like Alexander the Great and, 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 and their philosophies, all the way up to the American in his modern day hopes of a bigger, better, more powerful world to live in, greater than anything else. M.G. Easton, in his Illustrated Bible Dictionary, he says this about hope. He says, hope is an essential and fundamental element in the Christian life. So essential and said, indeed, that like faith and love, it can itself designate the essence of Christianity. In it, the whole glory of the Christian vocation is centered. We have hope. And our hope is something that the world doesn't understand. Peter put it this way when he wrote his letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, in your hearts, set apart, he says, you need to honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. And you do it with gentleness and respect. You see, the hope that is found in the Word of God It teaches us to avoid subjectivity, and it's grounded in something that provides confidence in its fulfillment. And that is in God himself, who never changes. He's always going to be faithful in that. The author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, verse 23, that we need to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful. A mother's hope for her kids, powerful. A mother's faith as she instills that in the lives of her children as well, that is just an amazing thing. But there's another article of character that a mother weaves into our lives. And it's a mother's love. This love which my mother taught me is different than a love that this world ever expresses. 
There's something unique about a mother and her, her children. It begins the very moment, probably, of conception. But obviously, it's, it's really obvious at birth. My daughter just had her first child a week ago. And to see her with her first baby, oh my goodness, it breaks my heart. And it fills me with joy. And, 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 and I'm so excited about all that goes in with watching her become this mother. And, and the, the first time I saw her hold him there in the hospital, that is love. And, and, and there's something unique about it. Marsha Cates, she's a psychological professor at the university, Hebrew University in Jerusalem. She did a test to see how well mothers know their babies. All right, this, this is how the, kind of the test went. So she took 46 mothers chosen for this test. They had all just given birth. So all 46 of these had given birth within a time span of five hours to 76 hours, or 79 hours, pardon me. Now, all these mothers had breastfed their children. Each mother was then blindfolded. All right? And she was then presented with three sleeping babies. And she had to identify, blindfolded, which baby was hers. Now, now get this. They've only been around this baby for five to 79 hours. I mean, we're only talking just fresh or up to maybe a little over three days. Over 70% identified their baby. <laughs> that kind of blows me away. You know, I mean, how could you do that? Well, a mama's heart knows, right? So when they were trying to figure out how were they able to identify their child, most of the mothers said this. They knew their child by the texture or the temperature of their hand. The woman apparently learned the identifying features during just th this routine contact that they have right after birth. Somehow, holding that little baby's hand, maybe wrapped around your finger or whatever, there was a unique awareness of this. I mean, it's amazing. But, but I want you to know that, that the Lord knows you even better than your mama. The psalmist tells us that he knitted us in our mother's womb, that he identified us, and he calls us by name. He even knows the number of hair on your head. I don't know very many mamas who might know that except a few as we get older, right? I mean, this, this is amazing. The Spirit of God has the ability to understand and discern even the thoughts before we speak them. But what a love that is found there. Now, there's a story told in the Old Testament about the wisdom of Solomon. And 
I want to examine not necessarily his wisdom, but I want to look at the love of a mother in this story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, as the story goes, there, there are two women who live together, and they share a, a house together. They both had just conceived and bore little baby boys within three days of each other. All right? Some time had gone by. An accident happened in the night, First Kings tells us, in which apparently one of the women rolled over and suffocated her child and he died. When she realized what had happened, she then took her dead infant and replaced it with the living infant of the other woman and took her back to her. When the other woman woke up early in that morning, they obviously became quite an awareness of something had happened. And, and the argument began to ensue, and it became so intense, and, and, and it created quite a stir within Israel because of what's happening here, that finally it made its way all the way to Solomon, who was king of Israel at the time, for him to make a determination as to whose child that was still alive was. So the women and the child was brought before the king to make this determination. Well, they began looking at this and arguing about this, and this is mine, and this is, no, it's not hers, and this is, and they back and forth, back and forth. So Solomon, in his wisdom, he had determined what we will do to resolve this situation is he asked for a sword to be brought, and that he was then going to cut the baby in two and give one half to one mother and the other half to the other mother. Here's where this comes into play about this mother's love. Listen what she has to say here in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 26. This is the real mother of this child. So then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son. Oh, my Lord. Give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Well, we know what the result of that judgment was. The mother who said with a yearning of her heart, Don't kill him. Let her have him. Solomon said, She's the real mom. Give her the child. You see, this mother was willing to sacrifice her own possession of this baby in order that he might live rather than be proven right. I mean, she certainly demonstrates a sacrificial love, doesn't she? There's probably no one that has greater influence on children, even in our day today, than their mother. I read a story of a, of a trainee in Lakeland uh, Air Force Base in Texas, and he was upset. So he decided that he would go and speak to the counselor there on base and to share what was happening in his, his turmoil. And as he began his counseling session, he began first by saying this, Sir, I... I'm afraid that what I say will negatively affect my training record. The counselor replied, go ahead and try me. 
<laughs> he said, sir, are, are you sure that you can be objective with this? And with confidence, the, the counselor responded, of course I can. Now, what's the matter? So with a bit of fear and trepidation on the recruit's part, he finally said, I miss my mom. I miss my mom. I think that story demonstrates that an overwhelming fact that there's often a strong emotional bond between a mother and her children. And children recognize that even as they age. And this is why mothers have such powerful influence over all of us. They're absolutely committed to us. And their love is a sacrificial love that always looks for our best interest. Lord Shaftesbury said this, Give me a generation of Christian mothers, and I will undertake to change the face of English society in 12 months. And he said that because he understood the love of a mother was something to be reckoned with. As children, I think I know that I don't think there will ever be a way that I could love my parents as much as they love me. Now, as a parent now, I get it. Because I don't think my children understand how much we love them. <laughs> then you throw grandkids into the mix and everything goes out the window, right? Amen. I mean, it's, it's this love that we have for these that God has blessed us with. And maybe we can't really explain it or express it properly. There's just something unique about it. But I don't think as children we fully can comprehend what it is like to love that deeply until we ourselves are blessed with a child. If there's a love that somewhat reflects the height and depth, the breadth of God's love, it would most likely be that of a mother's love, I think. That's what I remember from my mother. She was absolutely committed to me, to my sister, my brother. She took time to care for my personal needs and help build my character and, most importantly, my faith. Never once had I ever doubted her love, and I'm sure most of us can say the same thing about our mothers. Now, it doesn't mean that every mother is that wonderful, because I had the most wonderful mom. Years are close. All right, but... but Maybe my wife is still above you. I don't know. I just look at all these things, and I think there's something unique about us. And I'm sure there are many who can say that their mothers had a great influence on their faith. And if you're a mother, I want to challenge you this. Don't let a day go by that you don't share into the life of your children faith hope, and love. Weave them into the garment of their character so that they are clothed 
in Christ rather than the things of this world. And that, therefore, your children would not even be embarrassed to wear their articles of faith before the kings and the nobles in the courts of Persia. The little things that you do, sometimes they go unnoticed. But trust me, there comes a point, often it's when it's too late, that we think of the influence of our mamas. But don't let that stop you from sharing your faith, hope, and love. I've got a video I want to close out with. Got a box for you to sign for? Great, just put it right there. What, uh, what is it you guys do? You don't know? Uh, know what? Of course you don't know. I guess that's the point of all this. I'm sorry, you, you lost me. We monitor and collect every unnoticed service, sacrifice, or deed that moms do for their families. Oh, please. Melissa Richardson from Franklin, Ohio, just cleaned Sam and Charlie's room. Neither will notice. What, that just happened? Uh, four minutes ago. Where did she get that information? Well, I'm not really allowed to say, but you know, here and there. Okay. <laughs> here comes another one. Uh, Sarah Pfeiffer from Long Beach, California, just made her hundredth lunch in a row without a thank you, Mom. Haley Cobb from Jefferson, Texas, just did her daughter's forgotten chore milking the goat. Gross. And last but not least, Jennifer Wright cleaned the whole house, top to bottom, and her husband didn't notice. Up, oh, and we have video. You have video? Check it out. Hey, babe. Hey. How was your day? Pretty busy. Oh, yeah? What do you think? What do I think about what? Hang on, I gotta get this. McGuire! <laughs> hey, man. He didn't even notice. So, do you do this for dads as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just It's just a smaller division. Dads don't do good things for their kids? Oh, no, 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 no. They do lots of good things. It's just moms do an exorbitant amount of unnoticed things. So, how many people do what you do? Well, this office has three shifts, eight hours a shift, so three of us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's it. So you probably run into a lot of unnoticed acts. And that's just this office. There are over 5,000 offices worldwide doing exactly what we do. They just keep coming in today. <laughs> Treated and bandaged to skin knee. We see this one a lot. It's unbelievable. I wonder if any of my moms are in there. What's your full name? Akron Lanier Watts. A-K-R-O-N? Yeah. 
Well, it looks like your mom's got a lot in there. Really? Yeah, typical stuff. Doing lots of laundry, cooking, cleaning. And your mom worked part-time. She did. Well, it looks like... Wow. What? Your mom also prayed for you. She prayed for me. A lot. Oh. Looks like you picked a good mom. Yeah, yeah, I picked it. Thank you for all those unnoticed things that we do. You've blessed us, and we just want to say we appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for today that what you have done for us is an amazing thing. Father, that your love for us has superseded everything that we could have in this world. And one of the most unique things that you did was you created a relationship called a mom. A mother who would then pour into the lives of her children. And Father, what blessings those are. As we have gone around unnoticing the things that you have done, we've done the same thing to these special ladies. They've worked tirelessly, and somehow we have ignored all their efforts. Father, I'm going to ask that you give us today as a day that not only we say thank you to you for what you've done, but that you'll put it upon our heart to tell our mothers, thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus in which we pray. Amen.